is going to take you all the way to your destiny. That's the way I would say it in the, in the language we use here. He that began a good work in you will complete it all the way up until the return of Jesus Christ. All right. Now, why, why can you have that confidence with this one specific church? Now, he prayed a lot of prayers for a bunch of churches, but that one, to my knowledge, I don't see that same prayer with that same kind of confidence quoted in any other of the epistles. I just, I don't see it, right? And so look at verse 7 to understand why he had this confidence in them walking in their destiny. Verse 7 says, even as it is righteous for me to think this of you all, because you have me in your heart, inasmuch as in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. So he says, um, we had said that they had this fellowship, joint participation in the gospel. Okay? Right? I think Pastor Butler used this word um, in our foundations class, koinonia, right? Didn't we talk about koinonia? That's that word fellowship. Okay? So we talked about that specific word on Sunday. Fellowship, joint participation, sympathetic um, contributions. Sympathetic says, I feel you. Sympathetic says... I feel what you feel, and I don't just feel what you feel, but I'm doing something about it to help you keep, keep it moving. I feel that you're going through something, but I don't just sit there at home feeling sorry doing nothing. I put my money where my mouth is. I put my hands where my heart is. I do something to help it move on, all right? And then verse 7 says, because you have this joint participation with me in my gospel ministry, then the same grace that's on me comes off of me and gets on you. You know what that just said? And then he said, it's in my bonds, in the defense, and in the confirmation of the gospel. All right, let's talk about the bonds. Well, um, this letter was written to the church at Philippi. Philippi was the capital, the capital city in a region called Macedonia. Remember, in the book of Acts, Jesus, not Jesus, Paul, saw a vision in a dream of a man of Macedonia who said, come over to Macedonia to help us. Paul and his partners said, we now believe that the Lord has given us a calling. His vision was their calling, and so they went over to Macedonia. The city of Macedonia the city of Philippi was in that region. And it was in that region that Paul and Silas was imprisoned in the Philippian jail. 
and at midnight they sang praises and then the jailhouse rocked. And the prison doors were opened. Everybody know what I'm talking about? All right? Church history says that that jailer became the pastor of the church. So when he says, you are partaker of my, of, of my grace in my bonds, he says that that same anointing that was on me that opened my prison door going to open your prison doors. He said, he said, I was in trouble, and my, the grace of God on my life got me out. And that same grace that got me out is going to get you out. Right? So that's what he means when he's talking about the bonds. When he's talking about the defense of the gospel, he's saying, I have a grace as an apostle to defend the truth. Truth must be defended from error. And he says, the same way God has graced me to defend the truth, your life is going to defend truth too. Right? What does that mean? Okay. So let's just say the Apostle Paul was somebody who ministered and preached on Let's say he ministered on divine healing, but then other people were preaching that healing passed away. Well, not only would he have the grace to preach it and minister healing, but they would have the grace to walk in the healing that he preached about. Because their life would defend the gospel just like his preaching would. Okay? Not only did he say that their grace, they were partakers of his grace through the bonds and the defense, he said... You are partakers of my grace through the confirmation of the gospel. Remember when Jesus sent the apostles out, and Luke said, the Lord worked with them, confirming their word with signs following. Confirming with signs following. So being partakers of the grace in the confirmation of the gospel means that when you pray, stuff's supposed to happen that, 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 that witnesses that God is working with you. Got it? Okay. So, he said, because you are my partners, the same grace that's on me is coming on you. The grace that's coming up on me to finish my assignment so that I can run my race and finish my course, that same grace that's on me is coming on you. And it's a grace that will work in bonds when stuff is not going right. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not a fair weather grace. It's not a grace that only works when everything is okay. Okay? It's a grace that will work when you got problems going on. Right? Because that's what bonds means. It's a grace that will raise you up when somebody say, well, I think there's all kinds of ways to God. No, 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 no. My life testimony proved only a God could do the real God. And his name, his son's name is Jesus, could do what's happened in my life. My life defends the gospel. And God confirms the truth. 
All right? Do you get that? And so he's saying that they were joint participants in the grace. They weren't the same in terms of rank. He was the apostle. They were not. But they all had the same right to access the grace because God didn't give it to him for him. He gave it to him for them. So they had as much right to access the grace as he did. And the way that they accessed that grace was they did it by staying in fellowship with him. And they, as, as they stayed in partnership, the thing that was on his life got on their life. Okay? Now, that's an important thing. I often, when I go places and I teach on honoring your ministry gift, I had other brothers come here and teach my honor to gift. This is a passage of scripture that I will teach on because I want people to know you know, how you fellowship or partner with your ministry gift causes what's on them to come on you, right? Now, um, a lot of times when I'm teaching this, I teach it from a financial perspective. Um, not that it's all about money, okay? Please, please don't hear what I didn't say. Don't do that, okay? Don't hear what I didn't say. You know, but when Pastor Shaw was here, he on purpose demonstrated sowing seed into me what we did, what, what I knew, but nobody else knew was he had lost his job and he was sowing his seed in need. And he was leveraging the grace on my life to, to help him get through his situation. And the Lord had told him, if you sow into this brother, things going to turn around, and they turned around. And so he told me, and I, I, sometimes I don't teach this because I don't want people to think I think it's all about me. I really don't think it's all about me. But there's a grace that God has put on my life, and I have to acknowledge it and walk in it, and I have to encourage the congregation that's, that's, that's a part of my ministry to connect with it. Does that make sense? Right? Because I want to teach a balance. I don't want people to think, oh, you think, no, 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 no. We're going, we're going to give you the definition of what grace is. So when you get the definition of what grace is, nobody can get the big head. Because God is the only one who gives the gifts. Right? Grace doesn't make me something special. It makes God something special. Everybody else just done got hooked up. Okay? But, you know, he, he went back and then he taught his congregation. He said, listen, there's, there's, there's a grace on me. He said, he said, um, and he gave the example when he would see his minister and he would just sow a seed in his hand. It wasn't big. He, he didn't break the bank. Nobody at his house went hungry. Okay. So he, he, he wasn't saying, you know, he didn't say, you know what, he didn't pay a bill and paid. He said, no, he would just, he would have some seed, small seed, and he would sow it into him every time he saw him. And he told his congregation, listen, 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 listen. Make it a dollar a day. Just, just have something that you sow into my gift because this is putting pressure on the grace on my life in your situation. Does that make sense? Okay. So 
Um, and he's, I'm only telling you this because he told me to tell you this. <laughs> but, but I want you to understand. And when I was away, the Lord really talked to me about the grace to be married and the grace that I had as a single person and to really minister on some of those things specifically so that the congregation can be a partaker of the grace. Does that make sense? Now look at verse 8. For God is my witness how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray. So he says, he says, in my innermost being, I'm yearning for God to work in your life. I yearn for you. In my innermost being, to be all that God has destined you to be. That's, that kind of prayer life is how real ministry is birthed. It's not birthed in all of the saying everything so eloquently. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. You see, I put a whole lot and I have a lot of words and I try to make it as, but the real ministry is birthed out of an intercessory prayer life that is asking God to cause the people to be all that God has called them to be and then receiving the grace from God that makes that possible. Does that make sense? Now, verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in full knowledge and in all perception that you may be, that you may distinguish between things that differ, that you know what is good and what's evil, that's what that means, and that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, so um, I just want to discuss some things with you today and want you to get in faith with me on them. I, I, I don't want, I got some stuff to say today, and I don't want it to come across like I'm giving you a bunch of lists of stuff. What I'm asking you to do is believe God that this can be me, that God can what Pastor Dave is going to show me in the word, no matter what my situation is like, no matter how my relationships are like, like no matter if, if I'm um, in a, a relationship that I'm less than satisfied or I've been believing for a relationship and it doesn't seem like somehow it's connecting, that God can get me from there to where he has for me to be and give me the destiny partner and the partner that I have that we can be, that we can walk in that kind of love that I've always dreamed about, okay? I don't want you to think, ah, I got to do this and this and this and this. No, 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 no. I just want you to believe today, okay? All right. Um, I believe in goal setting, as you know, right? That there should be, that we should work on things and have the level of productive action with recognizable results. We call that fruit. Jesus said that his disciples would have fruit and their fruit would remain. Fruit is evidence that the right seed has been planted in the right ground with the right cultivation and care to produce a desired and intended benefit. That's what fruit is, biblically speaking. He wasn't just saying, hey, all my disciples are going to go into the apple and oranges business. He was saying they were all going to get productive action, right, that, that then made... Um, help the kingdom go forth. Okay. And so uh, as your pastor, you know, there are certain things that the Lord showed me. And then he told me, you can't preach that yet. You don't have enough fruit. It's not that it's not true. 
but you don't have enough confirmation walking behind you. Okay? And so one of the things that, that um, when I was early in the ministry uh, that, that Bishop Jabert challenged me on, he said, you got to walk up the ramp. All right, so let me show you this, this thing. Just, this, this is good. This will bless you. Right, the ramp. And what he said is, first of all, you got to have a revelation. Right? That is God showing you something and giving you a revelation of a truth, a revealed truth from God's word and his spirit that you understand, believe, and declare. All right? Now, some people start there, and then that's all they get is a revelation. But that's not enough for the preacher. Right? Your revelation has to go on to an activation. An activation is... When you act on that revelation, putting works with your faith, because faith without works is dead. Um, being alone is the way James said it. Bishop used to say, don't let your faith die of loneliness. <laughs> right? So, uh, so I want my revelation to go on to a point that I believe this enough to begin to act in line with it. And I want to act on the revelation long enough to get some manifestation. Now, how long does that take? It depends. I mean, you know, that's that. How long does it take to get, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop? I can't tell you how long you must stay with something to get manifestation, right? Because in Mark chapter 4, it talked about uh, the kingdom was as a man who sowed good seed in the field, and he slept in rows, rows night and day. Didn't tell you how many nights, didn't tell you how many days. But then he got some manifestation. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. So manifestation is staying with the truth until the seed of the word produces the fruit of undeniable manifestation in your life. Then we go on from there to proclamation, developing orderly teaching of this truth, or as we talked about it in the discipleship series, teaching others what God has commanded you, okay? Now, let's think about these four things, right? Some, some preachers want to go from revelation to proclamation. Do as I say, but not what I'm doing, okay? Right? You, you, you can't, don't rush the steps, because if you, if you rush through that, uh, there, there is, the, the book of Jude says it this way. It says that there are false teachers who are clouds and wind without rain. They look like they got the goods, but when you check close, nothing's going on. So as a minister of the gospel, like some things, it's not that you don't know it. It's not that God didn't say it. It's just that. He was like, no, 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 you don't need to preach that yet. Because I need you to work, I need you to walk this thing out far enough that when you say it, people look at you and say, no, 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 that makes sense. Okay? And when that doesn't happen, doesn't mean you don't have a calling, et cetera, et cetera. It just means you, you still work in the process through. Somebody say amen if that bless you. Okay, so don't jump past the steps. Um, let God give you certain things, give you the revelation on. So this year, as I was studying on, um, as I do, because it was our seventh anniversary, 
um, went back as I do all years and I just watched the wedding video and then God gives me a revelation for the year. Here's the things I want you to work on. Here's the things I want you to, to improve in your relationship, right? And um, as I was doing it this year, the Lord said, okay, I have taught you a lot of stuff that has given you a certain grace to walk, that you walk in in your marriage. I want you to teach it now. And I'm teaching it specifically for the thing that the Apostle Paul said, so that that grace can permeate our congregation. Somebody say amen. All right. So uh, the Lord said, hey, you've walked, you've, you've, you've climbed the ramp now, and so I'm looking for you to lay out some doctrine on marriage, but specifically not just marriage, but also the doctrines that you had around singleness. Now, um, this is the part of you as our congregation being discipled with the truth that God has discipled me with. And I'm, in, I'm really in belief that that thing that we confess when we say I'm an epistle of the Spirit of God, that statement of our confession comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul says that an able New Testament minister doesn't just minister the words that's coming out my mouth, but the spirit that's coming off my life. Okay? And that when that Holy Spirit is ministered, then what happens is that when you, he'll show you things, and if you believe it and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to do that in me, Lord, whatever you're doing, I want you to do it with me. Okay? Then he'll begin to start to re, rearrange your spiritual knower and then you'll, you'll, you'll walk in something that you didn't even know you knew how to do. The partnership that you have makes it available. Right? So when you're looking at a minister, there are three things that you should do. This is not in my notes, so just take this down. Three things that, that, that a minister that you really partner and submit to, three things that you should be experiencing. One is a teaching. The second is a testimony, fruit in the minister's life. And the third is the tangible power of God to make that happen in your life. Teaching, testimony, and the tangible presence of God. That's what we are believing will happen is that there will be not just the teaching, not just, hey, this is what happened, Pastor David. Oh, God, thank God for him. No, 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 no. I want this to go to your house. And believing that there's a tangible power of God because of your partnership, that'll make that available to you. And that just like the Apostle Paul said, he that began a good work in you will complete it and you'll walk in your destiny because we're all partakers of this same grace. Somebody say amen. All right. So that's what I believe that God's going to do in these series of messages. I got a key scripture here, John 1, 17. Remember, we talked about the fact that God deals with mankind at different times in different ways. Those different times in different ways, we use a D word. We called it what? You remember? Dispensations. Thank you. Right? So this is a scripture that describes two different dispensations. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
Okay, so there was a dispensation called the law, right? And there was a bunch of written rules that you had to keep or couldn't keep. And they, they would stone folks. Thank God I'm not in that dispensation. They might have stoned me by now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The dispensation we live in is a dispensation of grace and truth. Now, in this series of messages, I'm going to give you a lot of truth. But understand that the dispensation in which we live in, the truth doesn't come without grace. So don't look at this as, oh, man, he done gave me a whole bunch of rules that I can't keep. Don't do that, okay? That can't work for me. No, 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 no. Understand that the dispensation that Jesus came full of grace and truth. So if he's giving you truth on this thing, he's also saying, I am making the grace available to you to walk it out. Those things go together, okay? There's truth. The grace goes with it. Now, I have a definition of grace. Um, some of this you might have seen before in some of my other teachings. Grace is the willingness of another to use their ability on your behalf. All right? So if it's grace, somebody's, somebody's going to use their ability to help me out. It is an unearned benefit. God has given me a benefit that I did not work for. If I had to earn it, it's not grace. Okay? It is unmerited favor. It is favor that I don't deserve. Okay? In the King David version, I call it the divine hookup. Jesus, can't you just hook a brother up? Yeah, yeah, Jesus is going to hook a brother up. That's what grace is. Grace is his divine hookup, all right? And uh, my acrostic definition is, is God's redemptive ability that cancels my errors and is God's redemptive ability to create excellence. Some people focus on the fact that grace cancels my errors, that it washes away my sins, but they don't spend enough time dealing with the fact that God has grace to create an excellent future. It's not enough for me to get past the bad stuff and not walk towards the good stuff. God's grace can help you from where you are get past your dumb days and get to some smart days. Okay? Grace is God's desire and willingness to treat you as if sin never happened. God's treating you better than your behavior warrants. Grace is God favoring you beyond your flaws. Okay, so let's go back to the fact that in the defense and the confirmation, uh, in the bonds and defense and confirmation of the gospel, I'm partaker of grace. I'm partaker of a redemptive ability that'll get me out of prisons that I put myself in. Okay? It'll, it'll cancel the errors that all of the bad stuff 
that wouldn't qualify. I may have done some bad stuff in my past that, that I shouldn't have the right to believe for a good marriage based on all of the bad stuff I did, but I can believe anyway because it's not based on what I did. It's grace. It's God favoring me beyond my flaws. You get it? So that's why this grace thing is so, so important. You got to believe that God wants to do some stuff that you hadn't even earned. People just want to hook you up. They just want to be nice to you. They, they don't even have any reason to want to be nice to you, but they want to help you out, and you need to believe that they're going to help you out. Somebody going to want to open the door for me. I might not even been the best candidate, but they said, ah, I just, man, it's something about that David guy, man. I just, I think I just, I just think we need to give him a shot. I've given people shots. I've been in a position of authority where I could call the shot. And then I said, I, since I'm, <laughs> since I'm the big baller shot caller, I'm going to shoot. Uh, it's my shot. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a, I, I choose to, to extend grace to this person. So you need to believe that somebody's going to do that for you, that there's favor available for you. All right? All right, so we need to believe for grace. Now, there's a Greek definition for grace. It's all these things, but just so that you have it, if you have a Strong's Concordance, is G5485, it's the word charis. Charis is the Greek word for grace, just like koinonia was the Greek word for fellowship. Charis is the Greek word for grace, All right? So we know that grace and truth run together. Um, it's important that, that when God gives me truth, that I believe that there's grace, favor for me to walk it out. Right? And the grace that's available, remember Ephesians 2 and 8, by grace through faith. By grace through faith. So favor can be out there, but if I don't believe it and receive it, it's just sitting on a, it, it can sit on a shelf just waiting for somebody to take it. All right? God tell you, Okay, you know, you've been trying to refi your loan to bring your mortgage down. Just, just an example. And you tried five times. And then you, you tired of trying. And then he tells you to try a sixth time. I don't want to do that again. I'm tired of getting rejected. But faith has to be believed. I mean, grace has to be believed. If you don't believe that it'll meet you there and start to make some actions, it's just sitting there waiting. And you're going to get to heaven, and he's going to say, here's all of the stuff that you could have walked in if you had to believe me. I'm, heaven going to be empty when I get there. I'm bringing my stuff with me now. You can do what you want to. I'm bringing my goodies with me. You tell me there's some goodies, I'm going to try to get mine. I'm going to try to get some of yours. Okay, but I got to believe that it's there and act as if favor is going to meet me. Okay, do you get that? All right. So, some, some other key points here as we get into talking about relationships. Number one, 
in relationships issue, especially marriage, we aim for perfection but settle for progress. Hallelujah. We aim for perfection, but we settle for progress. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. All right? Because, remember, we taught you on Sunday, we do not go from zero to zillions overnight. We allow God to take us in steps, but if we keep walking in those steps, we'll be someplace we never even saw. We turn around and look, how did I get here? We'll look back and wonder how I made it over. Okay? So that's, that's one of the keys. The other key is, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So whatever God's dealing with you on right now, deal with it. So I look at these same scriptures, and they have all of these things every year. And then I say, okay, God, what piece of ground do you want me to walk in in 2018? And he says, okay, here's the things I'm looking for you to do based on these scriptures. If I keep doing that enough years, I mean, you can, you're going to get someplace. Okay? So be willing to to have God reveal to you and then give you the exact steps he wants you to walk right now. Okay? All right. Um, the other thing you must receive is you must receive and see yourself, as we talked about Sunday, in the image of God. You have to get rid of your failure images. And I can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself, right? Remember, the woman with an issue of blood had an image in her mind of her pressing through, touching his garment, and being healed. The man at the pool of Bethesda, when Jesus told him, was willing to exchange the image of somebody stepping down in the pool in front of him and getting healed with an image of him taking the bed that was holding him up and walking off with it. Jesus, uh, God through Moses, tried to get the children of Israel to, to take an image of a land flowing with milk and honey, not an image of giants and grasshoppers. So image is an important thing if you're going to walk in the thing that God has for you. Some people will, will, will take a good relationship and make it bad because they have a poor self-image. Somebody really care for you and your children, but you'll run him off because you don't think you're worthy of it. You understand what I'm saying? People do dumb stuff because their self-image is jacked. Does that make sense? Yeah, you've seen people... And they, they have a cycle of just, I mean, I'm like, man, you can't win for losing. It seems like you go from one bad relationship to the next one when really there's an image issue that causes you to be attracted to something that you know is going to hurt you because you don't believe you're worth more than that. Image is a real big issue. That's why the Word of God says, cast down image nations imaginations right so how you see yourself inside yourself is a big issue so we're going to work on that all right so i got a key statement here that i want to make to you and then we'll talk about it because this is a thing as the lord really ministered to me 
um, he says, now it's your time to really teach this. You've been, you and Nedra have uh, been married here these seven years. I've shown you some things. You got fruit. I want you to really minister. And believe me that the people that are married, that their marriages will go to another level in their destiny. And people that are single and want to be single, that they'll have the grace that they need for that. And the people that are single and, and believe in God for a relationship, that they'll have the grace to take their relationship, that, that God will guide them on the destiny steps that causes them to cross paths with the person he has for them. So here's our key statement. It is, there is a grace of God to be either magnificently married or successfully single. There is a grace to do it. That it's not just you doing all the right things in your own effort. Because if it's grace, you can't earn it. If it's grace, it's something God favors you with. If it's grace, it's something that he gives you just because he like you. But that grace must be received by faith because all grace is received by faith. And that grace has to be walked in and accessed by you walking in that grace with truth. Okay. So that builds on what we've already talked about. Okay. So we're going to talk about this grace because the Lord has helped me both in my married life and in my single life to know some things that kept me on the course to destiny. Right? So let's talk about some of those things. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, 7. Here we'll, we'll talk about the grace to be married first. It's talking to the husbands. We'll get to the wives a little bit later. Um, but uh, God made men first, so I deal with the man stuff first. Okay? 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding. Or I like the way the King James says, according to knowledge. I like that, according to knowledge. That means I got to know some stuff. Um, you know, the Lord, <laughs> see, this is why you got to aim for perfection and set up for progress. The Lord was like, Boy, you done been married seven years. You don't know her sizes and what she like. Now, see, I'm just saying, <laughs> can some wives say amen? Well, don't you feel like your husband done been with you long enough that he ought to know something about what you like? And I was in the store feeling some kind of way. And then God was like, listen here. Bruh, bruh, come. <laughs> now, see, now. I know God talks to you in these and thou's. Yea, yea, I say, I am the Lord thy God that talketh to thee. But when God talked to me, he like, listen, come on, man. This is, this, God talked to you how he talked to you. If you heard him in King James English, I'm mad at you. But he was like, come on. You done been married long enough to know what her size is. And I'm in the store scratching my head like, Jesus, come on, help me, Jesus. Because if I don't get this right, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to make sure I get, I, I got to get this thing going, man. I can't be missing some stuff. But he like, come on, man. You study everything else out. You take notes. 
You got no foot, notebooks full of notes. <laughs> he like you study everything else and you research it. Dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Study this stuff out. Learn what she likes. Study it out. Have the notes. Have the details. And because she changes over time, it's an ongoing research project that you'll never get done with, and you need to be okay with that. Can a lady say amen? Okay. So it might have worked the last time, but because she's growing, it might not work the next time, and you got to be okay with that. See, you like everything the same. This is how God talked to me. But she likes variety. I just, I'm just real, I like it the same, right? Once I find something at a restaurant, I go to that restaurant, eat the same thing all the time. And I'm happy. <laughs> but she, she likes variety. But I got to get the knowledge. According to this, I need to dwell with her and get some knowledge. Okay. Dwell with them according to, with understanding or according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the, and I don't like the word weakers. I'm just telling you, in the Greek, it actually says more delicate. By the way, if it's saying weaker, that must mean he's weak. Weak, weaker. I'm just saying. But the actual, the actual Greek tense says, Treat her as the one that's more delicate. Like she's physically, like she's like her emotions need to be cared to, catered to. That's what that's what Peter was saying. And Peter was married. Peter was the married apostle because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Okay? So he's telling y'all, bro, 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 let me help you. That's Peter was doing it today in the King David version. He said, bro, bro, let me help you. Brother, you better get some knowledge and keep it going and treat her as the more delicate. Now, she was handling business before you married her. Now, this is how God talked to me. She was, <laughs> she was big balling and shot calling before she married you. So it's not like she can't handle business. But I have given, you t given her to you to nourish and cherish, cherish is more than just having stuff in the house. Cherish says you making her feel special. Okay? All right? So, giving honor as the, to the more delicate vessel as being heirs together, inherit together of the grace of life. There is a grace to be married. All right? Now, I'm giving you some of the truth about it because, remember, grace and truth roll together. But what I want you to know is that God will favor you with this grace and that you and your wife inherit that grace together, that your prayers may not be hindered. Oh, you mean God's grading me how I treat her. She got a daddy. And even though her earthly one handed her off to me, the heavenly one's still there watching. And now what that just said? And he's grading. And if he don't like how I'm treating her, he going to get kind of distant in how he treating me. 
So I like to say it this way, for the kingdom couple, if you could monetize the favor on your life, the check for the favor of God on your life requires two signatures to cash. Yeah. Now, why is that important? Because I didn't see, listen, I didn't see preachers, preachers. I didn't see pastors, pastors tell their wives, I'm going to just go on and I'm going to just do my ministry. I don't care. No, no, bro. You're going to have to sit and wait till your household get in order or your ministry is stuck like Chuck. So, so now when we're in counseling, if there's some financial issues, the first thing, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to deal with the finances first. I'm going to say, how y'all getting along? I'm not going to talk about the money stuff. I'm not going to talk about those other things. I'm going to ask you about the agreement. Why? Because if I can get the agreement right, then there's favor that will kick in and fix the financial issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can make sure the agreement gets right, some of that other stuff will just work itself out. Because when two are better than one and these are in agreement, then heaven starts to do stuff because y'all will jointly inherit the grace of life. So favor will just come on that you didn't work for, that you didn't earn. I just want to make sure y'all know how to get along at home. So I will jump, you know, people, what, what? We got problems over here, and you're talking about that over there. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not off. I'm not ADD. Why, why are we talking about this when we got financial issues? Because if, if you can get in agreement and start treating each other right, the, the joint inheritance of the grace of God on your life will fix all of these other issues. I'm praying, I mean, you know, Saturday, we're having a party for Lady Nedra's birthday. And I'm like, child, please, write that check. I didn't blink. Why? Because the favor on my life is way more than what I'm going to spend on this party in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Didn't blink, didn't wink, nothing. Because I understand how it works. People miss that, ain't no, 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 that's how that's supposed to work. You're supposed to spend money on your wife. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to spend money. Okay, let me say that for the people. Let's watch it. You're supposed to spend money. <laughs> Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You're supposed to spend money on her. Because the grace that comes on your life is more than what you're going to invest, man. I'm just saying I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that's how that works, okay? So there's a grace, God's watching. If I don't get this right, then my prayers will be bouncing off the ceiling. You can come with the men of destiny and pray all you want to. God like, child, please, I am, <laughs> when, you, when you finish with her, come back and talk to me. Heaven be like, talk to the hand, bro, talk to the hand. Okay. Now people get all it and they think they doing something. And they skip all past that. And they wonder why stuff won't work. I'm like, man, go home and work it out. All everything else in your life will just get better. And you haven't done anything 
different because it's not by your effort. It's by a grace, a grace, a favor will kick in. Pastor Rita told me, she said, man, if I knew you would have get that much more anointed that you got married, we'd have married you off a long time ago. <laughs> she, she said, your anointing has increased. Yeah, it did increase. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's not just because I'm called to preach. Whatever you are called to do, you're joint heirs of a grace to, to live life. And it multiplies on your life. So that's the thing we are believing for. Okay, Pastor David, now you done talked about the married folk. What about the folks that single? I'm glad you asked that question. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I also said, along with the grace to be magnificently married, and that grace is still available, it, it works best when you have two maturing believers working together. That is the best. But God still gives you the grace to fulfill your call independent of somebody else. Because if not, then I got to sit there and just wait for them to get everything right, you know. So there's some piece of this. Okay, now, God can't save you from your own decisions. All right? Now, he, he, didn't, he didn't twist your arm and tell you you had to marry him or her. So some of this is we made decisions. Right? Don't blame the devil because I had made bad decisions. Okay? But there still is a grace, and we'll deal with all of those things. I just want you to know, in the single life, there's a grace, too. People think, okay, you read this thing about we join heirs of the grace of life. I don't have somebody to jointly inherit. Well, there's a single grace, too. And the Apostle Paul talked about that. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 7, um, we're going to read verses 1 through 9, and then we'll skip down and read some of the other verses. Now concerning the things which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Now, see, you would think you wouldn't have to tell this, but uh, as a pastor, um, I, have to tell the, I have to tell the single people to say no and tell the married people to say yes. <laughs> boggles my mind, boggles my mind, boggles my mind. But you got to tell the single people, no. Tell the married people, yes. <laughs> All right? But that's what he means when he says, in the King James, render due benevolence. He's talking about sexual affection. He said, you're not supposed to be starving the person. If you married, that's not what's supposed to be happening. All right, okay. Preach, Pastor David. Preach, you preaching good. Yeah, you are preaching good. Now, look at verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now, that does not mean we, before you got saved, you had all of these sexual fantasies that you watched, and then you did stuff that's demeaning and degrading. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying there, just so that we clear. Okay? That's why the, he says... Why submit to your husbands as is fit in the Lord? And I don't have a case where God ever demeaned me. Do you have any? 
okay? So I shouldn't have something where I feel demeaned and belittled because of something that happened. Or I kind of watch this pornography to help me get in the mood. Child, please. That's the world. That's, 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 that's heathens. Heathen. Okay? That's the stuff folks got in the world. I'm not telling you. Your pastor is not telling you to put up with stuff like that. We clear? Okay. Now, I got to tell you, Pastor David, why you got to say all of this? Because stuff like that, people be bringing in the counseling. So I got to teach it. All right? If it didn't happen, I wouldn't have said it. <laughs> okay. The wife does not have authority over her own body but the husband. And likewise, the husband does not have authority of his own body, but the wife. Oh, it's two ways. Ah, so here is a mutual submission. This is a mutual submission. Okay, so husband. Now, let's, let's, not, even, let's not even deal with sex, okay? Uh, your wife like it when you walk through the mall holding her hand. She has authority over your body. You better grab that hand and keep it moving. I'm not that affectionate. So what? Get over it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what that means. That's what that means. Okay? It says you don't have authority over your own body. That's what that means. If you didn't like that, you shouldn't have got married. Tired of dealing with married... Single people want to act like they married and married folk that want to act like they single. Right? Single, single folks all loved up, hugged up. You got to keep them off one another. Child, please, stop it. And then married people walk in, strangers in the night. Exchanging glances, wondering in the night, what are their chances? See, they walking in like they had a like they in a boxing ring. He's taking their corner. Ding, 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 ding. Come on, fighting. No, you don't have authority over. If she like me to listen, listen, listen. Now y'all can be all religious if you want to, but you're gonna see your pastor dance on Saturday. Okay. Now, your pastor don't like dancing, but he don't have authority over his body. She like it. So this is what we going to do. Okay? Now, I'm not where I want to be, but I got moves more than I used to be. I'm just saying, you're going to see me do some stuff. Why? Because I'm dwelling according to knowledge, and I worked on that thing. I'm just saying, I worked on it. She liked it. I worked on it. I, I, I'm just saying, do you understand what I'm saying? Now, see, now, I didn't even go into the bedroom. Y'all can see it. Ain't nothing going to be on that nobody can't see. We ain't, we ain't doing nothing down and dirty. We're not dropping it like it's hot. But she has authority. And I respect that. If I want to be happily married and jointly inherit the grace of life. All right? Now look at verse 5. Do not deprive one another, 
talk about sexual intimacy, except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You're not supposed to be saying, uh, honey, I'm on a fast, so uh, we, got 30, we got 30 days. 40, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 nights. He fasted 40 nights. <laughs> no, he said, no, no, I got to consent to that. If I don't consent, <laughs> you might have to take an intermission on the 20th day. It says you got to consent. We got to agree. You can't be saying, no, I'm giving myself to the Lord. No, no, baby. No, I got some, I got some rights on this one. Okay? He said, don't, don't do that. Don't be a married person and then having a person treat, treat the person like they single. Don't do that. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Do not do that. Verse 6. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift. Gift. See that word gift there from God. We're going to come back to that. Um, but I say uh, one in this manner, another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good if they remain even as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So to avoid sexual immorality is a valid reason for marriage, but let me, again, if I was just coming to tell you, come here. Marriage will not resolve all your sexual problems. You can't hide your sexual deviance in marriage. Because uh, if you don't resolve that before you get married, one person's not going to be enough. Okay? So you got to tell people, listen, 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 listen. You need to get your self-control stuff together while you're single. It's easier to go from zero to one than it is to go from two to one. All right, I'm just... <laughs> I'm going to let you just marinate on that one for a minute. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> it got quiet up in this church right here. All right. So the Apostle Paul talked about a gift. The definition of the word gift there is the word charisma. Remember, we said charis was the word grace. Gift is the word charisma. Ah, so he's telling me that, that God will give me an anointing to be married, and there's an anointing and a grace and a favor from God to be single? Yes, that's exactly what that is. I never heard of that. That's why I'm preaching it, because faith comes by hearing. Ah, that's easy for you to say because you married. No, God taught me this when I was single. This is how I stayed single and wasn't a, wasn't a hoeing preacher in the church. This is what the Lord showed me. 